Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. Your name, Jesus. Amen. NBC. So as we uh, hop into the sermon this morning, I would... Whoa, Ted... Ted is taking off on me. He's fast, but I'm fast. No, I'm just playing. He, he was quicker than me. Uh, in a moment, there's going to be a video that plays. Uh, it's Ted Neal, uh, if you didn't know. Um, over a month ago, we shared our vision for uh, the next couple of years. We believe that the Lord is calling us to be a spirit-filled and spirit-led church uh, for those who do not have a home. And uh, one of the things that we promised when we shared this vision is we said, uh, you're going to get to hear different stories of all the people who were in the midst of the process and hearing different stories. And uh, today you get to hear from Ted Neal. So I'm going to let Ted take it from here. Hi, I'm Ted Neal, one of the elders here at the Round Rock Church. This is my experience of going through a Holy Spirit listening. I... Did not know what to expect. I was a little leery myself at the beginning. And I'm a guy who likes to be in control. And so giving up control is powerful. As we entered into the process, we were working through a book called Pursuing God's Will Together. It was really in preparing for the listening sessions, we went through prompts that were daily and allowed us to focus ourselves together even though we weren't together, we were doing this individually before we met him. So we got into the process, the moment. It was wonderful to share this with Phil, have her there and be a part of this. And she saw that God was with us as we were together. It opened my heart to allowing God to be in knowing myself. After we had processed that intimate time together, we came together and shared with one another. And seeing the alignment between the resource team and the elders, all I could say was, wow, unity and alignment in two separate groups going through the same process. As I look forward to our church doing this, how we make decisions in the future is going to be a new way of doing it. We're going to come together, and I'm excited for all the groups around us through this experience. So to echo what Ted said at the end, one of our hopes is uh, starting in August, we're actually going to give everyone uh, a chance to be able to walk through uh, a similar process uh, that we went through during that time. And there's going to be more information coming in August, but we want to just share with you different stories that felt like all these moments collectively led us to what God is leading us to for the future. And over time and time again, throughout the process, We've been reminded that God is extremely good, that God has good things for Round Rock, and that he really is a good shepherd, which has led us into our series that we've been doing on Psalm 23. What does it mean to claim the name and the realities behind the Lord being a good shepherd? Now, in the first couple of weeks that we've gone, we focused on different pieces. The name of the Lord is not only just name, but nature. We've talked about how the Lord is self-existent, self-reliant, eternal, one that you can rely on for your life. The Lord does not rely on anyone else. That 
the metaphor that's used in Scripture is he is a shepherd. He's one that personally knows you and communally calls us together. No sheep just walks alone. And then we also talked about in week one of that we lack nothing, that he ushers peace into our lives. Not peace that's in nothing bad will ever happen, but peace that can happen in the midst of anything bad happening. Then last week we talked about how sheep that are led by the shepherd are filled and led. They are not hungry. They do not feast on the world. They are people that are fed by the Lord and that rely on the Lord for direction. And then for our verse today in verse four, we're talking about the very thing that can question the existence of the shepherd or doubt the goodness of the shepherd. In Psalm 23, 4, you move away from this eloquent language that looks like it could belong on a Hobby Lobby sign and you move to the real nitty gritty of life. Even though I walk through the valley of the darkest place, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One of the things that can make us question the goodness, the existence, of this shepherd is when we fear the darkest valleys. What does the good shepherd give you for the lowest low of moments? The things that you fear that may actually come true. I have a mentor who loves to tell a story that Louis Armstrong uh, used to tell all the time. He'd, uh, here, here's Louis. Uh, he would tell a story where he was growing up and he grew up in a household where there was not a ton of resources. And uh, he grew up with his aunt, Aunt Hattie Mae. And uh, one of the things Hattie Mae would have him do every single day is she'd be like, I want you to take this bucket. And I want you to go down to the swamp. And I want you to get a bucket of water for us to be able to cook with for the day. So every day he would go down and he would get a bucket of water. One day he goes down to the river and as he dips the bucket in the water, he sees just the head of a crocodile come straight out of the water. He drops the bucket, runs, goes all the way back to his aunt, and he goes, Aunt May, there is an alligator in that river. And she looked at him and she said, I want you to go back to that river. I want you to get that water. You just look at that crocodile, and when you look at him in the eyes, you know that he is as afraid of you as you are of him. And he just responds to his aunt and he says, if that alligator is as scared of me as I am of him, then that water is not fit to drink one bit. Fear tanked. Fear pollutes. There's a good kind of fear that heightens our awareness, but there's usually also a fear that grabs a hold of us and rises our anxieties in ways that isn't needed. You as a child of God are not meant to live a life of fear. You're not meant to. Fear, it messes with your perception of the good shepherd. And also, I've seen over and over again, fear actually disconnects us from each other in the sheep. But the good shepherd does offer something for all of us. 
even if the things you fear in the world come to life. The good shepherd says these fears do not have to rule over your life. In verse 4, you see, what is it that helps us when we fear the darkest valleys in our lives? Well, one of them is that God is with us. But notice the description that goes with God is with us. You are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, in an agricultural society, when you hear the term rod or staff, you would know a rod and staff was used as protection and correction. Protection and correction. It's as if the psalmist David is saying that the Lord has a way of protecting us. Now, that word needs to be nuanced. It's not exactly the protection we always think of, but it's also correction. A lot of staffs back in the day, they would actually have this curve at the very top of them. And when a sheep was getting off track or would want to run away, the shepherd would actually use the hook to pull the sheep back in. How does God pull you back in in the deepest moments of fear? When you're in your head, when you think about the darkest valley that you do not want to face. Maybe in non-metaphorical terms in the New Testament, this is a really clear way of just practically saying uh, this follower of Jesus by the name of Paul is writing to a younger believer. And he says this as he goes into the community of God. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love and sound judgment. How does the Lord pull you back in the moments of fear? He pulls you back with power, love, and sound judgment. So sound judgment. How does the Lord help us with sound judgment? I don't know about you, but whenever I get in my head of the deepest fears, that I'm like, I do not want this to happen. Or I am fearful that this will happen. All sound judgment goes right out the window for me. I start thinking of situations that most likely may not even happen. I, there was a video that circulated a couple of years ago that I think like it's just the epitome of what happens to us in the midst of fear. Uh, maybe some of you have seen this where uh, this little girl realizes she has a shadow and panics. <laughs> that is what happens to us when we fear, we get turned around, we start thinking things that we should have never thought about in the first place, and we find ourselves falling backwards. We start thinking really crazy things about the darkest valleys in our world. Countless times people have documented that when we fear our darkest valleys and they happen, we start doing things like we start negotiating with God. Like we're trying to trade life experiences here. You know, Lord, if you quit this, then I'll quit that. Or we start saying to ourselves, you know, this is my fault. This is my fault that we're in the darkest valley. Or what happens a lot of times, and I see this a ton, is that we misinterpret the movement and work of God in our lives. You know, I think for some people, they uh, lean on a phrase, you know, God will not give you more than you can handle which sounds like a great phrase. 
It's just not actually in the Bible. And if you think about that phrase to the greatest extent that it is, first of all, God that is seen in Jesus Christ is not an 18 wheeler backing up burdens on your life and just being like, well, you signed up for this. God is not giving. God may allow hard things, valleys in life, but God is not just piling our plate with all these moments of maybe this moment will break you. And the second thing I want us to be very thoughtful of is when we say things like God will not give you more than you can handle. The second is like, why take God out of the equation? Like it implies if it's all about you handling it, then what do you even need God for? It's not about your strength. It's about your weakness, because when you reveal your weaknesses, God tends to reveal his strengths. So we have to be very careful about how we think and judge when dark valleys come into our lives. For some of us, we get mixed up, turned around, and we start saying things that aren't actually true. We let fear form our thoughts and our perception instead of letting God and God's word form our thoughts and perception. Have you ever thought about in the Bible that the first background truly for fear is in the mind? Like in Genesis 1 and 2, when Eve is considering eating the fruit, it's a dialogue she's having in her head. Well, did God say that? When Jesus goes into the desert, when he is facing all of the fears or realities or temptations that could come in a human existence, Luke portrays it as it's something that's happening in his head, that there are words that are coming to him that are not of God. And notice where Eve doesn't respond, Jesus does respond. And Jesus responds with the words of God. Have you ever had moments where you've just thought things in your mind that you're like, that is Ooh, that's a terrible thought. I'm not going to tell anyone that I ever thought something like that. One of the ways the Lord gives us sound judgment is he gives us his word to be able to put in place of the words that we think in our heads. So just very basically, when we think to ourselves, what if I make the wrong decision about life? What if we responded with Psalm 23, 1? The Lord's my shepherd. No matter where I go, I will not lack. For those of us who are sitting in the room, what if I get laid off from my job this next year? What if we filled our hearts and souls with fear not for you are not more valuable than a sparrow? What about for those of us who we keep thinking the world is going to a terrible place and I just don't know about my kids with it? What if we reminded ourselves that in this world we'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. What if there's no one to take care of me at the end of my life? What if we remember that God will never leave you? And never forsake. We don't let our minds just race off with fear. God has given us his word to be able to combat words of fear. It's why in Romans 12, literally says you should be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. We keep God's word in front of us and it combats fear. That's the first way that we tackle fear. The second that the Lord pulls us back in is by his love. There is a uh, uh, there's a follower of Jesus in the 1500s that uh, I've read some of her journals. And I absolutely love her. She's just she's spicy. Like she just writes things. And you're like, Oh, I didn't know like Christians even talked about that before. And uh, she's got this great quote that at one point in her life, it was uh, Teresa of Avila. And she 
was moving on a horse to one of her sanctuaries that she actually built. She built this monastery for God, dedicated her life to God. And as she's on the journey, this horse just bucks her off and she just falls backwards and it injures her and it debilitates her journey that she's going on for the Lord. And at one point in her journal, she literally wrote to God, she said, Dear Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, no wonder you have so few of them. Don't you love that? Isn't that honest? Sometimes we love to equate love with prevention. God loves me if these things never happen in my life. And I'm not here this morning to say that God doesn't prevent things. As a matter of fact, if we think about it, there are things that haven't happened in your life that you don't even know about because the Lord may have prevented those things from happening. But one of the things that we see in the life of Jesus Christ is that love is not always prevention, but redemption. That love sometimes doesn't mean that dark valleys don't happen, but that the Lord actually goes through us with those dark valleys. Those writers like Augustine who thought about this a long time before any of us showed up in the world that said God judged it better to bring good out of evil than to permit any evil to exist in the first place. There is hope because of the love of Jesus that you can go through whatever dark valley is happening in your life and come out on the other side. You know, in uh, memory of Tim Keller, who uh, was a great Christian thinker that just passed away uh, a week or so ago, he tells a story of uh, Donald Barnhouse, who was uh, this minister who lost his wife at a very early age. And on his way back from the funeral with his two kids in the back seat, they're just trying to just figure out why, why this happened. And like what peace or solace can even happen for their mom? Keller says that Barnhouse reached for this analogy. He said, you know, son, I want you to look out to the lane next to you. Do you see that massive 18-wheeler, that truck? And now do you see the shadow that's next to that truck? If you had to face the truck head on, or if you had to face the shadow head on, which one would you want to face? And of course, the kid said the shadow, of course. And he said, that's the good news that Jesus gives is that your mother did not take on the truck. Your mother just took on the shadow. Death disorients us, hurts us, disconnects us. You do not have to just be satisfied with saying that, you know, death's just a part of life. You don't have to feel that in Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ came into the world and He gave His life. He took on the weight and suffering and sin of the world. He took on the truck to where all you and I face is the shadow and the delight that we live. Jesus wants us to know that fear does not have to torment us. That whatever we're on one side of, Jesus can bring us on the other side. It makes me think of 1 John 4.18. I like the King James Version translation the best because, because fear hath torment. Fear can torment us because we're always wondering what's going to happen on the other side. 
the good news is that we know God will be with us before we enter that darkest valley and God will be with us or receive us at the end of our dark valley. That's love. And then the third is just power. I remember reading psychologically that some people, when really bad things happen in their life, uh, one psychologist made the argument, you know, we want to take the blame. We'd rather feel guilty than we want to feel powerless. Haven't you had moments in your life where you've just felt powerless? You ever have something in your life that you go, if that happens, that will do me in. You know, I've shared a couple times that uh, we walked through a really hard passing of uh, my wife's uh, father. And I remember that uh, when we went through that passing, and as brutal as it was, it deeply threw me into a dark valley because I am an only child. And I remember in that moment thinking to myself, this was extremely hard to do with her father. I don't know if I will make it through with my own parent. And that fear has had a hold of my heart for years. Now, I remember I sat with my spiritual director and I was like, you know, I, I, this, is, this is tainting my life. Like, I can't. I can't look at my parents without thinking about that fear or that dark valley that at some day will come. And I'll never forget, my spiritual director said, that fear may be inevitable. It may happen. As a matter of fact, it will happen. But Zane, when those things happen, what's going to change about God? Is God's generosity Is God strengthening? If God's present, is any of that going to change before or after? I said, no. And he said, you come to know the God who never changes. Same yesterday, same today, same as tomorrow. And this God who has sustained you all the way up to this point will also sustain you in that dark, dark path. If you say yes to Jesus, there is a power that's available to you. The presence and power of the Holy Spirit helps strengthen us in a way that we cannot do it on our own. Samuel Shoemaker, he literally has this quote that I think describes the Spirit well. The Spirit of God comes into our own energies and capacities and expands them. We're laid hold by something greater than ourselves. We can face things, create things, accomplish things that our own strength wouldn't have been possible. This is as real and definite as attaching appliance to an electrical outlet. When you say yes to Jesus, one of the gifts of Jesus is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God who strengthens us and helps us be able to do things we could have never imagined in our life and go through things that we never would imagine before. I remember in school reading about uh, a Christian by the name of uh, Dr. Roland Taylor. He was an Englishman in the 1500s that got wrapped up uh, into a time of persecution for Christians. And one of his greatest fears, if he actually said yes to claiming Jesus publicly in these different things, is that they were going to burn him and burn him at the stake. 
And he said in his journals, he said, you know, I don't wrestle with the burning as terrible as that will be. He goes, I wrestle with leaving behind a family. Father. I remember reading about how he did say yes. And he did go public. And he was arrested. And he was going to be burned at the stake. And in one of his journals in prison, days before his passing, he wrote, I've wrestled and wrestled with this. And now I've realized that God careth for the sparrows and for the very hair on my head. And I've ever found him to be more faithful and favorable than any other father or husband. And then this man, as he's being drugged up to the stake, literally said to his family who watched him, said, farewell, my dear family. Be good, be of good comfort, for I am quiet in conscience and God shall stir up a father for my children. All shall be well. And then he was burned alive. I don't tell that story to minimize whatever fears you may have in your life. A fear is a fear. It just is. We all face different things. I don't mean to downplay it, but I do want to remind us that there are brothers and sisters who have come before us who have taken the good shepherd at his word that we do not have to fear evil and that this God will take us through the darkest valleys and be on the other side. He may not remove the circumstance, but he can soothe the fear that is inside. So Lord, we, uh, we recognize that uh, there is fear that grabs hold of our hearts all the time. Uh, Lord, we're going to not rely on the words that other people say to us or the words that we tell ourselves. But Lord, this week, can you help us to rely on what your word tells us? That you say over and over again in your scripture, we do not have to be people of fear. Do not fear. Spirit, can you reveal to us in the dark corners of our lives where fear has hindered us? Lord, what would a person who isn't fear do be? Lord, we want to be Lord, can you help strengthen us to be able to not ignore or sidestep, but identify our fears, hand them to you, and be the kind of people who do not, as your spirit goes away. Pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.